And I think that since the dawn of Instagram and the, you know, the arrival of Twitter and just all of this, photos are meant to die after one post. And I'm actively opposing that. Flying Fruit Bowl, a platform dedicated to the exploration and discussion of art and the creative process. I'm your host, and in today's episode, I have the chance to talk to the incredible Caffeine Cowboy. Caffeine Cowboy is a photographer currently based in New York who creates swimming, narrative-led, nighttime photography. Originally from a small town in Michigan, he uses photography as a way to explore the ideals of Americana and the feelings of geographical isolation. Let's start. I'm going to start how I start with everybody. This is episode 40, so I've done this 40 times. That's a lot. Right. So the best place to start is um, to tell us a bit about yourself and how you became a photographer. Okay. Um, so I'm originally from Michigan, um, which is a huge part of most of my work. I take a lot of it in Michigan, despite the fact that I live in New York. Um, and yeah, I, I got into photography a little bit when I was in high school and it was really different from what it looks like now. I was kind of like into hype beast Instagram circa 2015 <laughs> photography, which I've erased from the internet. Like it's impossible to find because I just despise it so much from what I was, what I was doing then is not what I'm doing now. Um, I was not working on telling any type of story. I was just like in the city climbing buildings. <laughs> um Fun though. I like that photography for sure. It's just not my photography at all. Um, yeah. So that's when I got into it. And then I um, moved to New York to go to NYU and sort of dropped it at that point. Also dropped out of NYU, went to South America for a long time, found myself in Colorado and then finished school there. And then the pandemic hit and that's when I got back into photography. And this time around it was totally a coping mechanism, a completely different approach to it. Um, I was remote working in rural Michigan, which is a huge change wow. from Colorado and New York. And in between that, I had spent a good amount of time doing some research in Paris. And so huge culture shock to be back in rural Michigan. Um, and yeah, I was just asking questions about like what it means to grow up in a rural area and yeah, that's kind of what brought me back to photography, I guess. And it was really fun to spend the middle of the night just driving around the middle of these. Um, they're not abandoned, but these really small towns that just don't really have a lot of action going on and trying to project some sort of narrative that I feel in rural Michigan onto these towns that maybe that action you know, maybe that story isn't really happening there, but I feel like it's happening there. So I'm like projecting it onto it a little bit, <laughs> but yeah, that's what brought me back to it. So I got into it about two and a half years ago now, right at the wow. start of the pandemic. See, that's absolutely insane because the quality of your work and actually just the quantity as well is like, that's insane. Like you've done, you've done a lot in a short amount of time, but you've done a lot of good work in a short amount of time, which is very impressive, I must say. Like it, it's very impressive. Five hour from midnight to 5 a.m. driving around. <laughs> so I'm very curious, as you can imagine, where the name Caffeine Cowboy came from. 
Right. Um, okay, so I went to school in Colorado. Um, that's very like wild. It what it's it's not that wild west, but I, <laughs> as I've already referenced, love to project stories onto my life and onto people around me. <laughs> so um yeah, I just leaned pretty hard into the like Western vibe when I was there. Spent a lot of time skiing and camping and just going around the desert with my friends. And um so that's that kind of is where Cowboy comes from. Also the movie Brokeback Mountain, which I'm a little obsessed with and was sort of like my like trend. I just watched it and I was like, ah, I'm gay. <laughs> um, so those two things put together. And then also the fact that I am super addicted to coffee and to spend that amount of time in the middle of the night taking photos. Cause almost all of my photos are from two to 4 AM. <laughs> yeah. um, I just am smashing espresso. <laughs> it's funny because i said that as soon as I said that, i was like you're drinking coffee now so that makes sense <laughs> yeah. uh, that's great this is my morning coffee this is my first one so <laughs> and how many are you gonna drink today uh not too many i don't have anything to do today <laughs> other than this conversation so probably this is my only one today perfect um yeah. so what are your thoughts randomly on art education and do you think it's important for artists and photographers interchangeable artists and photography artists or photographers to have like any kind of formal education and or degree um so i do not have any formal education in photography um but i did study art history i do work in the art world and so in that i definitely took extensive art classes and design classes i work at an auction house here in New York. And so I do um, like a whole bunch of different things for them, but some of that is like design oriented. Um, I think it depends. I think it depends what the medium is for networking. I think it can be helpful for learning about the history of art. I think it can be helpful, but I don't think it's as necessary as some people do. But that's that's just my opinion. I think that it's really helpful for certain people to have a reason to make art all the time. Um, but I don't think that it's a make or break. Unless there's a practice involved. Like if you need to, for example, go to art school to become an architect, <laughs> then yeah, yeah, that's a or like an different. art teacher. You need some kind yeah. of background or in, in education. Yeah. Exactly. But if you just want to like tell a story, I think you can learn that by failing and then making better work eventually. I think that if you want to shoot film, for example, the taking a, taking a darkroom class is going to be helpful, but um, learning how to shoot film is going to come from going out at night and like not knowing how to do it and then learning how to do it eventually. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, of course. No, yeah, of course like trial and error is often the best teacher yeah i agree and i've wasted probably a hundred rolls of film in my life so <laughs> yeah, but if we're showing up from you're going to it's, it's kind of your bound to because you know if you set the wrong exposure if you forget to set the lens cap off you know things like that it's gonna happen it's part of the process of, of learning yeah also i'm i'm pretty non-technical um, which I feel kind of bad about because a lot of times people will come ask me questions 
Yeah, I can imagine. Or something, and they'll be like, what is the, what is this word? Reciprocity failure um, that you've found? Have you found a chart that works for X film stock? And I'm like, embarrassingly, I've never considered reciprocity failure in my entire life. I just shoot. (laughs) So... I understand what reciprocity failure is, but um, it's just a little bit more gestural than that. Like I'm not, I'm not being that technical when I'm making work usually. So what is the most challenging part of being a photographer? Um, so for me, I mean, I'll say two things. So for me, I am very obsessive about narrative and I tend to fit all of my photos into a really particular thematic storyline that is usually really sad. (laughs) It's usually really like dark and lonely storyline. Sorry about that. Um, And that doesn't necessarily reflect my life, but it reflects parts of my life and sort of past parts of my life that I'm working through, you know? So that's super difficult for me sometimes to share any of the work that I make because it's digging into something that I would potentially be happier just suppressing. (laughs) But um, I don't know if, that's a productive way to go forward. And I think it's much better for me to like engage with that story. And so when I take those types of photos, it's this sort of emotional warfare for me, (laughs) but that is my personal hardest part of photography. That's not just photography. That's all art that I do. It's always going to be digging into some deep, dark thing that I'm trying to work through. That's just how I, that's how I approach art. Um, I think the hardest part about photography for me or the most difficult thing about photography as a medium is sometimes it's simplicity. Like, I don't think it's that hard to take photos. So you have to approach it from a different perspective than other art forms compared to like painting. If you're a fantastic painter, maybe you don't necessarily have to worry about thematic development as much or you don't have to worry about the same types of questions it's a little bit different it's sort it's it's a, i think photography is sort of closer to like cinema whereas like painting can be a little closer to sculpture it's just more of an honest skill-based medium whereas photography and cinema definitely have skill involved but are much more there's more breadth to the to the question does that make sense it does but i also really like how you talk i must say like I like the way you talk Thank about you. things. It's very, very interesting. And I must say, I'm kind of very pleasantly surprised by how you are. Um, I don't know what I was expecting because I don't know. What <laughs> I've I was never expecting. sent you one of your audio recordings back. I've never <laughs> done that. <laughs> I have a terrible <laughs> habit of just literally sending it to random strangers on the internet. Obviously, artists. I love it. I, love it. I was I just like, because it's funny because in real life, quote unquote, real life, like, I'm very introverted. So it's for me to send random people voice memos is not something I would ever have done, say, two years ago. But now I'm just like, I just don't really care. Like, it's all good. And I was very nervous about doing it because I was like, the person's going to think I'm an absolute idiot. Um, but then I was like, you know what, actually, I don't really care. It's fine. Like, oh, the worst thing like the worst thing you're going to do is ignore it. Yeah. 
and not just that i think when you send people voice memos you can hear their enthusiasm as opposed to just me texting you saying oh i love your work everybody texts you that everyone puts some sense you know a message saying i like it but if you say it it's different you hear it and i think that makes yeah. a big huge difference totally that's just me I think it's like a really good strategy. <laughs> you should keep it up. <laughs> I mean, hey, it's working quite well, actually. I'm not even going to lie. It's quite funny. I just, also, it's just, I don't know. It's just easier sometimes. I don't know. Um, right. So I want to get into the themes of your work in a minute. Um, but before we do that, I want to ask, are there any misconceptions about photography that you don't like? So, Yeah. In short, yes. I think that this is a very social media question, though. Yeah. But I'm going to dive into, like, that for a second. Yeah, the go ahead. The online thing, yeah. um, which I oppose, but I'm so part of it, you know? <laughs> so it's, like, here's what I mean by that. I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but my photos sometimes find themselves in new series like I'll post a photo that I've posted yeah. before but like in a different order or like in a different yeah. arrangement with other photos that are newer um and I think that since the dawn of Instagram and the you know the arrival of Twitter and just all of this photos are meant to die after one post and I'm actively opposing that right now like I just think that that is so ridiculous to think that once you've posted it that's sort of the extent of its share capacity um all of the photos that I've made will be revived in prints will be potentially revived in shows I don't believe that they are a one-off you know one and done post but i think that a lot of people think of photos that way right now yeah um and that is i find that to be a misconception because i think maybe because it's so quick to take a photo maybe because it's so quick to edit a photo when you compare it to like sculpting <laughs> or designing a building or something i don't know um it's just a it's a different turnaround time but it doesn't necessarily change the narrative development of that photo so i think that yeah that's a huge misconception in photography right now i would love to see more people reconsidering their work like a year later and resharing it and keeping it all part of their active collection you know what i mean that's a really interesting consideration that i've never thought about um that's a really good point because you're right we do create work and uh share an image and then be like cool that's it draw the line under it and move on um but you're right and i like this idea of of recontextualizing the image in a new narrative like that's a really interesting idea i think that's such a clever idea um that's very clever because you never know how the image you shot you know two years ago is going to actually be relevant to what you're shooting tomorrow like they exactly. might be very similar or they might be very different or they might have like the themes might be the same or it might be opposing you know there's like that's a good point actually in terms of it's not just about the images themselves it's also about the curation of the images and the sequencing right. of images and actually, this is jumping way ahead, but like, do you want to ever make a photo book? Because I imagine your work would be absolutely gorgeous in a photo book. Yes, I do. Thank you. Also, um, I, I'm scheming. Yeah. I don't want. I'm. I'm. I'm hesitant to give too much because I don't That's necessarily fine. 
have a plan yet, but I, I'm hoping to dive in on a new project that's a little bit more East Coast based that still has the same questions, that still has the same, probably not the same aesthetic because that changes over time, but yes, the answer is yes. <laughs> so it, it's funny for me because you are the fourth or fifth photographer that I've spoken to and everybody I've spoken to and I saw, and we talk about get it to like prints and photo books. Everyone's like, yeah, I'm thinking about it. Um, and it's really, really funny because what I really want to do in the next three years, I keep saying I'm going to do it. So I'm going to probably have to do it now is I want to make a collection of photographers in a photo book. So I have like a photo book that's just purely just photography. Um, and, you know, feature obviously as many, I, the amount of atmospheric photographers I either know, either speak to or either just love is unreal so i would love to have like a thick book like coffee table book of just really cool photographers it's something that i would love to get done in the next three years maybe with a preface by todd Heider, that'd be awesome that'd be the dream um, yeah well, <laughs> see i already got a plan i just need to actually finance it and actually figure it out um but something like that would be yeah. cool to do because everybody i've spoke to that does film photography or just photography in general they want their work in print but it's just getting their work in print is a different matter yeah i agree with that I think that there's a, I'm again, speaking from working in the art world, but I do think there's a, there's a deficiency of curators of yeah. photography right now. Like I can only think of Val Timmermans basically. Um, no, there's others that I can think of too, but like that don't just sort of operate in the social media space that are bringing it to the, Real to life yeah to print or to to galleries or whatever i think that that would be incredible i think that we need more of that personally <laughs> definitely absolutely because it's, it's just interesting for me because i i've met so many people who their work is gorgeous and their work is great and their work is salable and they've got the audience online they've got the audience but then it's kind of like that doesn't necessarily translate to the real world in terms of actually making sales and actually having people who are going to support you financially. I think right. we always forget, I know this has definitely gone a little bit social media, but you know, we don't, we always forget that the numbers are great online, but in the real world, is that really going to help you? Totally. I and I think like moving to prints too, like that's just, a. it's, I think they tell stories better. Like if you, if you have, a series of five prints on a wall that are arranged properly. So you engage with them in a certain order. Like that is a story. That's, it's a yeah. different way. It's the same thing of if you watch some HBO show, like on your phone versus in a movie theater, <laughs> like it's yeah, just a course. different. Experience. Yeah. It's the atmosphere, the environment in which you're looking at the work, because I think looking at work on a screen, particularly photographs, they're tiny, like the amount of detail and effort and time you put into editing that image it should be like, you know, projector screen big because you'll see the details. Sometimes everything's lost. You know, the, yeah. the narrative and the translation is lost through the screen. And I think that's probably, for me, one of the biggest pitfalls of photography is that it's so scrollable and it shouldn't be because that's not what that's not what it was made for. But anyway, I'm going off on a huge tangent, but I'm kind of also really curious. Like, have you ever, have you ever, or do you ever, or would you ever consider working with like film and or like more like cinematic kind of motion? I would love to, like a lot. I'm obsessed with cinema, but um, I don't know if I have that skill set. <laughs> I've um, helped with 
I have a few friends here in, a lot of my friends in New York are artists. I live with two musicians and my friend group just has like, it's like a mixture of people who are, I mean, it's a mixture of a lot of different people, but I have a lot of friends who are like interior designers and musicians and photographers and whatnot, but um, it's really fun. But um, I've helped a few musician friends by like making album art and also um, I've DP'd like one or two, just like little like, like concert films or whatnot. I was going to do a, a music video, but then I got caught up at work. But um, I would like to explore that. I would probably go in the direction of doing like DP work, directing photography, because it's just sort of like what I know how to do. But um, that would be really fun. Yeah, that'd be really cool to see. I just, I just feel like, like video is also kind of like the next step. Not only is it the next step next step from photography but i think also again not to dip into social media too much but in this kind of current landscape video is kind of like the it thing um and it's not about following trends but it's just kind of also like how can you extend the narrative from a still image into kind of more of a kind of i don't know more of a long form medium i guess something that i definitely really am trying to do um i have a lot of photos that feature people like act they're they're friends of mine but if they're if they're work that I'm doing for money then I'll like pay them as actors basically um and something that I really want to explore is making like 10 second clips you know what I mean just like instead of it just being this one moment of I have a I have an image where I have a woman laying back on a BMW. Yes. And it's part of my series, Looking for Love in the Suburbs, which is just my moody, just moody bullshit of me being <laughs> Michigan and like sad. <laughs> but, um, but I would love to have made a 10 second, you know, how did she get here video? Just like her walking around and like collapsing on it or something like that. Just a little bit more of a storyline. That's something that I want to get into. That's part of my next project. So I've got a few artists in mind that I'm going to send to you that you might like, um, because I might do, uh, might be helpful to you in terms of ideas of like film and stuff. Um, I would love that. So let's get into your work then. So can you please describe your work for those who may not have seen it before? Certainly. I make images that are almost exclusively at night. Um, They tend to be overwhelmingly colorful. Um, They tend to be really isolated, very isolating even. I think when people look at them, they feel a sense of sadness from them, but also there's a happy nostalgia involved. My photos for me are a story of loss and a story of love too. And also a condition of insomnia. (laughs) They can have really different subject matter sometimes it's a house sometimes it's 
a landscape. Sometimes it's school buses. So it's just anything that um, I think conveys part of my plot. And for me, that is isolating sometimes. There, I think everyone, especially if you're not from, I mean, isolation can happen in any context, but I think when you grow up in a very small, very like isolated area, isolation happens more logically. And that's just my storyline. So I'm, I'm from the countryside and I just always felt that way. And I don't feel that way now. So it's, it's, it's me engaging with that, that history. I think that where I'm from is beautiful. I think that a lot of people who live there don't think so. So in addition to exploring those themes, I'm also trying to project it as beautiful for people who might be from a similar background that can be literally anywhere around the world, any small pl like place that someone might find insignificant. I don't like buy into that narrative at all. And I think that it's beautiful. So I try to push, you know, that like indie movie <laughs> beauty onto those types of places. That's a very good way to describe your work, I must say. Thank you. It's <laughs> a very good way, but also it's, that's, it's very revealing about you as the creator of the work. Because I think clearly your work to me then after hearing that is about kind of finding yourself, I guess, very much. Um, it's, also, it's kind of like finding yourself by losing yourself in, this, in a way. Right. Um, and I kind of like that because it's it's very it's very relatable to a lot of people. I think you said when people look at your work, there's a sense of sadness. And I was going to say, I think there's a sense of comfort in your work. Uh, you know, you look at these places and you kind of, you imagine what's happening in the, in the images as opposed to being told what's happening. And I think the idea of ambiguity is always, always a good idea in photography. Um, and you do it very, very well. So it works out very well. Um, Thank you. I why? totally, I think oh, sorry. No, no problem. But also why, so, so what is so important about the nighttime? um well okay so full disclosure that kind of that so okay so la during the pandemic during the peak of the pandemic I was working um in remote I was working remotely in Europe but in Michigan so my hours were bad <laughs> um which made my sleep schedule horrendous and my sleep schedule was already horrendous so I quickly devolved into spending a lot of time awake when it's dark out. Also in Michigan, it gets dark so early. It's so crazy. So a lot of the time it's dark, but um, yeah, I think that the, that's like a whole other plot line, but I've always had, I've always had pretty serious sleep problems and I just, that just kind of followed naturally. I um, always spent a lot of time awake at night. I always romanticized the darkness. I also am a huge horror movie fan. And yeah, I just think that as you were mentioning ambiguity, there's just this question 
of what is actually going on here that happens at night because you can't see. <laughs> so I, I don't know. That's kind of where that came from. And now it's just my whole thing. So I'm just sticking to it. <laughs> uh-huh. It's become your aesthetic, which is great. Um, but that, the reason I asked is because you're not the only photographer who shoots at night. And I think at the minute, to me, in my personal opinion, night photography is really, really cool, but it is getting potentially a bit tired. You know, I feel like I'm seeing it a lot. And kind of yeah. how important is like originality to you? Super important. <laughs> um, I will say that I think night photography has taken off more recently. Yeah. Um, and it is, I don't think it's oversaturated just yet um, because I think that people have different approaches. Like there's a big rise right now in very, you know, full-blown Todd Heido style, just houses. And I think that that's beautiful. And I don't mind seeing more of that. I think that it's nice. Um, I also think though, that there is something to be said for what exactly is the the storyline? Is it just houses at night? Is it just like, what exactly is it? What are, what is someone trying to say? You know what I mean? So that's something that I've been thinking about a lot, but at the same time, a lot of people live in the suburbs. A lot of people live in rural areas. And so they just, they work nine to five. And so they take photos at night. That is their storyline. That is their plot. So for, for me to say that it's oversaturated because people are doing the same thing. I, I do you know what I'm saying? I, I, yeah. Like that's their plot. That's, that's true to them. Um, I do have a really strong addiction to originality though. And as the rise of this night photography has happened, I've pushed my colorism and editing style and, you know, lighting style and weather conditions to a new direction because I have been trying to avoid it, if that makes sense. So I I started there and I've moved to something that's a little bit more gestural. I, I tend to only go out when the weather conditions are quite unfavorable. <laughs> <laughs> I um, tend to avoid these days taking photos of just a house unless I can add something else into it. Does that make sense? It does, but I like the idea that you're thinking about the weather because then I guess atmosphere is a huge part in your work then. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I, was kind of, I like that. So one of the great things about your work, um, definitely the colour. The colour is incredible. Um, and I especially like your image with the two school buses. I think Thank it's you. like, it's so, I saw it and I was like, this is really creepy. It's also really, really good. Um, so I really like that. And I know you're making prints at some point soon. I have prints of that right next oh. to me right now. <laughs> oh, well, um, wait, okay, wait, wait, wait. Before we say, actually, wait, do you have a website? So... I have a website that is not published yet. I was working on it this morning before we got on the phone call. It's probably like a week, not even a week away. It'll be very soon. I know I'm so like, I'm unbelievably, 
unprofessional. It's crazy. No, no. So this is the funny thing for me again, and it goes back to what I said earlier. Like you were like the fifth photographer that I've spoken to, and all of those five photographers, one their work printed in photo books, but they don't have a website. And I'm like, really? You like not? To, does any good photographer actually have a website? Because at this point in time. <laughs> All the really cool people that I'm speaking to that I really like their work, none of them have a website and none of them sell prints. And I'm like, I kind of want to buy your work, but I can't access it because it's not available. It's not accessible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, so, so these prints were a trial run. I'll, t- I'll, give you, I'll give you a little update. These prints were a trial run and are very late Christmas presents for my friends. Um, and so like, I, they're on, they're like super glossy. I'm really excited about them. Um, they're like doing their dance. I'm loving it. Um, but, um, but yeah, I was, I'm, I was testing out different printers in New York to try to find one to work with exclusively that would give me decent scalable deals anyway. So I found one and yeah, now I'm putting that together. But basically, the way that my arc has been online has been really crazy because in the last like three months, I've expanded like 500%. And I don't really know why. But um, I did not have the demand until like maybe four weeks ago. So I'm just trying to catch up right now. <laughs> but isn't that nice though? Because it's like, oh, it's, it's nice because you're not doing it because you're trying to jump on some kind of trend and you're not doing it because you're like, oh, this is going to sell. You're doing stuff and then people are like, oh, actually, we want to buy this. Yeah, I have like an Excel spreadsheet right now of orders and I'm like wow. trying to be, I'm just trying to do it, really. I'm, I'm just trying to complete these orders, but I'm putting together a Shopify <laughs> and I'm going to do like a limited edition print release in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, let me know when that happens because I'd love to own a piece of work. I think it'd be really nice. Um, but everything I think of like nighttime photography, I think of like liminal spaces and I think of kind of like um, these in-between moments that we don't really see, that we're not really privy to. You know, stuff like that's really interesting and it's kind of like the unknown and all that mysteriousness, which I like. Um, anyways, so colour in your work is very interesting and you kind of edit your images in a very kind of almost, as I've commented a few times now, otherworldly way. Um, and I'm kind of curious as to to know like how important is reality in your work not at all it's not important to me at all i for a long time i had my bio on all of my platforms as it's all fiction um i've since changed that because letting people know that i'm in brooklyn and available for hire is more important to me right now but um but it's not at all important to me (laughs) everything and I'm not not joking. Every single image that I have ever produced is so unbelievably produced. Like so much production is involved. I bring LED lights. I bring gels to color the scene the way I want. It's so fake, but I. But it's true to me though. It's true. It's just not real. Does that make sense? But then my question too would be. Is and is the world within a photograph the same reality as the world we live in? Not for me. Yeah, because that's the thing that I like about your work is that, and which I like about photography in general is you're constructing your own world based mm-hmm. on the world we live in. 
but it's it's a really nice paradox which i love about photography because photography has to start from a real you know something in real life but it doesn't actually end up being real life and i think that that paradox is very very interesting and your work is a very good example of that if you do bring like leds into it and you you change things in the real world to make a world that's not real but it's also still real because it's still technically this is an image so yeah and it 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 does it looks like that i make it look the way i want to but yeah i think that i definitely have a really different approach to making an image than a lot of other people do because it's i there are a lot of people who i think that i think there's like there's there's a lot of different streams of photography and they're all incredibly valid and there's sort of like documentarian style night photography a little bit more like honest finding scenes specifically that work for whatever you're trying to say or maybe you're not even trying to say anything in particular you're just documenting and that's also saying something but um then there's also you know bringing post bringing things the way you want them in post and actually leaning into editing and then like treating it a little bit more as that sort of like cinematic art style I think those are super different paths but um, I definitely fall into the second category for sure. <laughs> and that actually is very nice into the next question. So the idea of like cinematic imagery, like is that a way you'd like your work described or do you think that's kind of a, rep- a bit of a like repetitive kind of trope in the film photography community? Uh, I definitely think it's a trope. Um, I also think it's true though. So I, it's not... <laughs> tropes develop in my opinion because i mean because of for a reason so i i don't know if it's incorrect to say that it that it's cinematic because i mean i base a lot of my aesthetics off of movies that i like but that being said i also base them off of paintings that i like too so i don't yeah i think both of those are true for me the biggest inspirations are paintings and and movies for all of the work that I do but that being said I love movies so they are cinematic I feel like they could be longer form video usually so what makes an image cinematic I think it has to do with subject and I think that it has to do with composition mostly I For example, so I'm sure you are familiar with like Nowhere Diary. Of course. Right. Um, They feature a pretty different style of work. They're gorgeous work, but a really different style of work than what I'm interested in doing. What, um, like if you look at at photographers like Briscoe Park and like Henri Prest, like they're really doing something super different than what Nowhere Diaries is featuring. You know what I mean? Yeah, of course. Not to like put myself in their category because they're like incredible, but um, they are they're doing something that's a lot more gestural. It's a lot more abstracted almost. And also that's really manipulated, I think, in, in, a, in a way where they're, they're controlling the setting a little bit more. Um, I don't find the same type of cinematic nature in the documentarian style of photography because 
of course there are movies that have shots that look like that, but it's not the same approach. I think when we say cinematic photography, we're, we're referring to specific types of movies in general. We're referring to usually indie movies. We're referring to movies that have a strong cinematography approach, like in A24 or in movies you can see at like Sundance or like Han. We're specifically referring to that type of movie. Um, And so I think when when we, yeah, when we say a a photo is um, cinematic, I really think that we're talking about it in that way. And I think that when you have a strong subject, like you have a person in it who's specifically acting also, that is when a photo can become fairly cinematic or when you have the lighting situation that you find in movies a lot where you have spotlights or you have like harsh lighting with like seriously faded shadows in the background or something like that, where you have that type of contrast clearly making it not look realistic. Do you know what I mean? I do indeed. I think that's very, it's a really interesting way of considering it because I think the thing with the idea of like cinematic imagery is that it's not really down to one thing. It's a combination like, you know, color, lighting, composition, storytelling, um, they're all separate elements in themselves that kind of have to tie together in a certain way because, you know, you can have a picture of, you know, a cat and you can edit it so it looks cinematic visually, but it won't make the image cinematic necessarily. There has to be some other element. So I think it's, I don't know why actually the question is answered myself, <laughs> but it's basically just a combination of stuff really. And I think, yeah, it makes sense. And, and actually talking about like cinematic, quote, quote, cinematic imagery, like as you've referenced quite a lot now is storytelling is a huge part of your work. So what is it about storytelling that is so important to you, for you to express to other people? It's so that's become more important to me over time because I didn't, I didn't quite realize that I was telling a story that resonated with anybody because I didn't actually vocalize my story for a long time to myself. So the first probably six months of me taking photos, I was just like out taking photos and just having a good time. And then I started to write and plan them a little bit more, especially when I get people involved because I need to like know what I'm doing or if I'm doing a commission or I'm doing something like that, then I really need to know like where I want the person to be, where I want the photo to be taken, how I want things to be set up a little bit more. I just need to be more prepared. And once I did that, once I made that jump, I started to also think more about the narrative in general. And then I went back and retroactively applied that narrative because it worked with all of my old photos as well. Um, So, yeah, I think that a lot of the photos can stand alone, but I also think that when they're put together, they start to tell, like, a story of, of of like, another world, sort of, or a story of a way of of a perspective, you know what I mean? And um, I think that when I started including people, usually, like, solitary people, with you know their expression as part of the storyline and that's all very curated i ask them to do certain expressions i ask them to stand in certain ways um 
I realize that I have pretty serious control over what I'm saying. And once I applied this overarching storyline of like growing up queer in that, in that environment, um, and I put that out there, I ended up accumulating this sort of base of people who like my work who also grew up queer in that environment. And I realized how sticky that story is and also how important that story is for certain people because like romanticizing the world around you can be like a great coping mechanism. And yeah, so that's how I got to the point of saying that storytelling is the absolute most important thing to me. But what I find interesting about that is that there's no specific story you're telling in terms of like, you're leaving it very ambiguous for people to kind of look at it through their own lens as opposed to being told, oh, this is a story from A to B. Um, that's very, very interesting. I think that's very, that's very clever because it also allows you to be able to kind of move through different ideas and thoughts quite easily without having to be like, you're not trapping yourself into a certain box or a certain kind of category of photography. So if you want to go, go out tomorrow and shoot something in the daytime in Iceland or whatever, you could do that and it would still be your work and it'll still be true to you. It would just visually look different, but the, the narrative will still be similar. That's cool. I like that. I think that's very clever. Thank you. Yeah. I like to keep it fluid. <laughs> yeah. So you shoot everything on film, right? For the most part. Yeah. There are so, some photos that are, on, that are on digital that I've posted. So what inspires you to shoot on film photography as opposed to, for the majority, as opposed to digital? Okay, this is not the answer that people usually want when I, when I, when we talk about film. So just like prepare yourself for that. I don't know how committed you are to the narrative of film in general. Um, I don't have a great reason for doing it. I like process. And I'm a bit of a masochist and I like when things are more difficult for me. <laughs> so um, I started doing it to really just have more requirements. And then, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I so I, I shot digital for a really long time and then I ended up getting a $35 camera a Minolta SRT201. And I started shooting on that. And then I ended up getting a medium, like a Bronica ETRS, which is why I've made a lot of stuff on now. But um, like, I just think you have to think maybe more. And I like that. And I like having to think about metering. And I like having to not look at your photos until you develop them. That being said, I'm likely going to transition to doing more digital soon, um, just because it's a little bit more effective for doing some of the harder scenes that I want to do. Yeah, I don't. I I think there's this like thing that exists in the film community where we accept that photos are better because they're shot on film, and I just do not buy into that in what in any way. <laughs> like I do not. Do not believe in film supremacy. Honestly, one of my really good friends here in New York, who I love very dearly, one time we were just like meeting for cocktails and we were talking about photography because she works in museums here. 
And I was saying that I enjoy film, but I want to do digital more. And, and then she kind of started roasting the film community a little bit being like, it's not that special. Like everyone older than like 40 knows how to shoot film. And I was like, <laughs> that's kind of true. But um, yeah, I think it's cool. I, I think it's nice that it's having a renaissance. I think that it's historical and I obviously love history and vintage things. I think that it's really interesting and I definitely do it myself, but um, I'm not as committed to the cause as others. <laughs> There's absolutely nothing wrong with that, I don't think. I think at the end of the day, you have your reasons for doing things a certain way, but the people have theirs, and I think there's nothing wrong with that. Um, I do think that is funny, though, because you do have a point in terms of, like, there will be times, particularly if you want to get into more motion and stuff, where film cameras aren't going to do the same job as a digital camera will. Um, there, are, there are definitely some limitations of film photography, I think. I think you have a fair point, to be honest. I don't think there's anything wrong with your answer. I don't think it's not as shocking as, as, uh, as you're making it out to me. <laughs> yeah. It's because I, you want I, to do it. That's kind of why. And I think that's respectful enough. But my question to you, I guess, would be, do you think that it's easy for viewers online to distinguish whether an image is shot digitally or on film? No, not usually. Um, no. I think, so here's why I say that. The editing style that's most popular right now is sort of based in film mimicry. Yes, certainly, yeah, of course. And when I, I have a very particular flow when I edit, I do not do the same thing at all. I, I don't know if you know the work of Samantha Cavett. I don't know if I'm saying her name correctly. Um, she's a Spanish photographer. Um, she one time tweeted. Um, like shoot like a documentary and edit like a painter. And I thought that was a really good tweet. Um, it's kind of different from how I shoot, but I still loved it. I love the tweet. And I definitely approach editing in that way. I don't have a really, I don't have a super like strategic flow, but I know certain things that I'm going to do that do not get lost in my process. And one of those is adjusting grain anyway. So it almost doesn't even matter that I shoot film because I already make a difference by just doing that, if that makes sense. No, that does, so, not. Yeah, that does make sense. So yeah, I think that at this point, you generally can't tell, um, especially if you're following film photographers who are shooting properly. I think that you're going to, there, there's a charm of film and I always shoot film when I'm taking photos of my friends because I like that it's a little dingy and I like that it's a little improper because that it feel it feels more fun in that way. But that's also just super like Brooklyn, whatever. Um, yeah, I don't think if you're looking at photographers, you can tell the difference. You sometimes you can, but I don't. I think that it's too confusing now because editing is already twisted at all. Yeah, because. One thing I realized recently, one thing I saw recently is that there is a popular brand, I think it's a clothing brand, who recently released a YouTube video saying how to edit digital images like film images. And mm -hmm. I know it riled, it ruffled quite a lot of feathers of certain <laughs> photographers because obviously the whole the whole kind of point is that if you're shooting film, it's film. If you're shooting digital, it's digital. And I kind of I kind of couldn't really care less either way. I think as long as you're not shooting digitally and then tagging, you know. Tuesday Night Film Club 
in your posts when it's not actually felt. I think that's the only place that becomes dangerous is when you start to get into the whole trying to get more views for something that your work isn't. That's when it becomes dangerous. Um, but I also do agree. I think online as well, on social media and Instagram, the image is too small to tell. Like, yeah. unless you're going to tell us what camera you used and show us a process, you could have shot that on an iPhone and no one's going to be any of the wiser. No one's so I think know. it's, I guess it kind of always makes me kind of wonder like why, like, and I, I think this is probably a dangerous thing for me to say, judging by the amount of people who are going to hear this that shoot film. Um, but like, is it really worth shooting film nowadays because of the cost, because of the fact that, you know, you're not going to necessarily recruit that cost straight away. Is that a question for me? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so that's not okay. a very rhetorical. I do apologize. <laughs> no, 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 you're good. Okay. So I'm wearing my green new deal shirt right now. Um, I definitely have what I think about the world. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I don't personally think that it is in the future. I don't think that film photography exists for that much longer. Um, and I honestly think that it probably shouldn't in some ways because of the water usage and because of the chemicals and because it's so obviously bad for the environment. And additionally, I think we're entering this like market bubble of how expensive can film cameras and film actually get yeah. <laughs> because of the scarcity of them. Um, that being said, though, I think on certain scales, I think it will always exist. I just don't know if on a professional level, you're trying to approach photography just through film. I think that that probably is finite. I don't think that that's going to last for too long unless people are making the jump to like, you know, large format or something like that, where it actually does provide a different, a truly different level of clarity there are there are amazing full frame digital cameras but if you shoot um large format like you can just it's just a different scale of what how you can present that um and i do think that there's always going to be a space for that in professional photography but is it worth it i mean i do it but i'm getting significantly closer to not doing it anymore <laughs> <laughs> So is that, is that, why is that though? Is it just because the limitations? Yeah, it's because of the limitations. It's because of the, um, the cost is annoying, but it's not enough to make me stop. Um, yeah, I think that I'm, I think that I'm truly just not, I don't know why. I would keep doing it. It just doesn't, it's, it, there's a, there's a limitation to flow and it's also, it's become such an extreme like mark of a community and it's almost become a little bit ideological. And I just like, don't, I don't really like that. <laughs> I don't know. It's just something you want to move away from. It doesn't serve you in the way it used to. That's perfectly fine. Yeah. And exactly. But I mean, I still, I always will to some capacity. It's just not gonna, it's not that more recently I've posted some more digital work and I just, like you said, I just tag it differently. Or honestly, a lot of times I don't, I, I sometimes don't hashtag anymore. Um, not for any really strong reason, just 
because I don't. And yeah, I don't know. We'll see what happens. I'm looking to get a Fuji film camera soon. So yeah, there are people are getting Fujis at the minute. Okay, right. Um, it's because they so, have the same flow. They have the same like. Uh, that'd be why then. That makes sense. Oh, that makes sense then. I mean, I've never used a film camera, so I have no idea. But right. Okay. Well, yeah, not for a very long time. Uh, but anyway, getting back into your work slightly. So can we talk a bit about your pre-production? Because you said like, you know, you didn't used to write things, but now you write things before you go up. So kind of what kind of, what initiates the first ideas of an image and kind of like, how do you plan before you go out and shoot? Okay, so it's kind of different for each one um, or for a, a each collection. If I... I'll, I'll tell you sort of like through a micro story about one yeah. and you can see like sort of the flow. Yeah. Um, okay, so I grew up uh, in the middle of the woods, close to Lansing, Michigan, which is the capital of Michigan. And um, there is a town 25 minutes north of me called Owasso that is just so quintessentially American Midwest shocking. I just think it's so amazing. They have classic cars parked on the streets and like little kids like playing in, on the sidewalks. Like it's just unreal. Um, so I have taken a lot of photos there. And there's this area that I have driven by for a long time that has it's their it's their like school bus lot basically and i'm talking about that school bus photo we've already referenced yeah, so that, um, yeah. and when it snows the plow puts all the snow right there and i've known that i've i've observed that for a couple of months before even thinking about making the photo there's also a dead end signed right there i love that so I'm just like into this whole area <laughs> and I've been thinking about trying to do something there. Um, so the way that I would approach that is, first of all, I know this, that this area is interesting. So I, I know that some place is something that I want to take a photo of. Then I have to like ask what it is, why? why would I want to take a photo of that? So I like start to write. I'm like, what's going on? You know, like a little therapy lesson with me and just my journal. <laughs> and I'm like, what, what's actually, what's the reason for this? Um, and then once I find it, um, I can start to like, you know, sometimes forcibly insert a narrative into the, into the story. So with this school bus photo, I think about, so on the one hand, this is relatable to a lot of people, like school buses are like kind of toxic environments or they're fun, it just depends who you are. For me, they were not fun. So that informs the like very horror movie, sci-fi dystopian vibe of the photo. Um, and I'm like, I know I want it to be during winter because I just like my photos to be during winter because they communicate desolation in a different way. Um, so I'm waiting for the snowstorm. And then I start to think about color, how I can communicate the overall theme, which is 
scary in that one a little bit, but it's also like interesting and it's not scary, but it, it kind of has a scary undertone. Um, so I'm like putting all of that together and then it snows and I go. <laughs> so I, I know that I'm doing it for a little bit before it actually happens. That's very interesting. That's a very interesting way of working because it's like you're, so essentially you're very much driven by the location first before anything else. Yeah, totally. So I assume you got an occasion scale or is it just places you just happen to know? Or like how often do you go out and look for new places? Well, in, okay, so my process is, a, is currently a little bit different here. I've only shot a little bit um, since coming back to New York. And I'm, I'm hoping in the next couple of months to plan like a week excursion to, I'm not exactly sure where in New England <laughs> to continue shooting and to make a new body of work. But um, now it's a little different because I walk everywhere and I walk every day to see friends and to go to work and whatnot. So I'm just like always seeing stuff and I, I can usually know if it, like if I look at it and I'm like, oh yeah, that's it. You, <laughs> yeah. that spot is good. I can, you know, I can start scheming a little bit in my head. Um, in the Midwest, when I was on road trips and doing stuff in Michigan, um, I would sometimes even drive around without my camera, just like completely no photos allowed, planning, just observing, a little bit psychotic, really. Um, but yeah. <laughs> That's really fascinating, though, because I think it, it could seem very easy or seem very much like you'd always have a camera with you taking pictures and then coming back to those. But it's, it's I don't know, it's, it's, for me, it's interesting because your work is, is a lot more psychological than maybe at first it seems. Um, and I think that's very interesting because clearly you actually know what you're doing. It's not just a case of shooting a very nice image and moving on. It's like there's a lot of process and thought that goes into it beforehand, not just, oh, here's a cool image that's posted, that's cool, let's move on. Um, and that's very interesting because I'm kind of, I'm kind of curious if if you know that, like, do you think that people can people will understand that from looking at your work in terms of like the amount of process that goes behind it? Probably not, but like that's okay. <laughs> it's just um, it's just a it's just an observation, I guess. Yeah. No, I think I think that. Um, and don't get me wrong, there are times where I like happen to have my camera and then I see something and then I take a photo of it. It's not like yeah. exclusively that, but um, yeah, I think probably not, but that's okay. I'm not worried about that. That's just how, that's just how I get my distilled aesthetic kind of throughout. I keep, I keep a similar approach because I have it so controlled usually. That's like why I do it, mostly for me. <laughs> So as someone from the UK, I think your work is endlessly fascinating because it's America. But I kind of mm -hmm. wanted to ask your opinion on like, why do you think that America and the whole kind of American dream, you know, the whole kind of, I just guess the craze, I guess, but like Americana, why do you think that's so appealing to people outside of America? Well, so it's interesting because for, yeah, I like during, university I, I went 
to France to work on grant research like five times and spent a good amount of time there in Paris and definitely noticed that in my, in my friend group there. <laughs> yeah. um, and it's interesting because like um, we just have the reverse of that. So I think that there's some, I think, I think that it's, I think that there's a craze about it because of the contrast because it's just like different from whatever cultural moment is happening in a lot of other countries. And also because we create a lot of art and movies. And so I think there's like, there's a gaze internationally sort of on like what Americana has to say, like specifically like small town United States. Cause like when people come to visit the U S they're going to, I mean, a lot of times they're going to like New York, LA and maybe the national parks, but like, there's something that's just like the next level of that um, that you get when you go to a small town and you get all of the all of the like really particularly United States cultural things like the Trump signs (laughs) and um, yeah like extreme isolation because that was one thing that I've that I noticed in in Europe when I was there is like there's not a lot of places that you have to drive like three hours to get to. No. There are places, but there you're going to pass through other places yeah, on the way. Of course. Uh, you're not going to be as far away. Whereas like in, in the Midwest and in, especially in the West, like you're, you can have a six hour drive with like one town and not so much in the, in the Midwest, you're going to hit more towns than that. But in the, like in Colorado and Utah, like you can really just like forever and like not see anybody. Um, which is cool. And that's like, I mean, that's just not something that happens everywhere. So I think people like that. Yeah, that's true. I think, I think that's very true. Actually, I'd like to ask because I kind of always wonder, like, as an American, do you understand that hype? Like, do you feel it there as an American? Or is it just like every day to you? Do I feel the hype about here? Yeah. Um, not really. But I, I get it though. Like I understand why it happens. You know what I mean? And I, I mean, like I said, I think a lot of people here feel the hype about other countries. So I don't think it's the same thing, but um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't look, I, I definitely like Americana more now living in new york which is a really particular lifestyle and not not the same as the americana sort of plot line but so i think it's fun now but i don't i don't growing up i never even once thought about that at all <laughs> yeah it's just it's just an interesting observation from somebody who's an american just like how like how american is america really it's kind of an interesting consideration but Getting back yeah. to work, anyways. So, do you have a favorite image you've taken, and and or do you think you have an image that is like recognizable as yours? Well, I like there. I have an image that in in which there's like a car at the bottom of a hill, and then a person standing next to it with a dead end sign, and it's like a very orange image, and it's really dark, and you can't see the person very well. Um, that's probably my favorite that I've taken. Recognizable as mine. I don't feel like I have the audience for that. 
Um, I think that I think that if anyone is like quintessential quintessentially me, it's probably the school bus one, just because like on TikTok and on Twitter and on Instagram, that one tends to be the one that gets a lot of shares, and people like that one a lot, and it's one that people reference to me a lot when they want prints. I don't know. I don't think I'm there yet. I think maybe in a year or two, I might be there when I have a quintessentially me photo. Okay, that's cool. But I would agree with the school bus one. I think it's very, it's very different from a lot of photographers I see because I think, you know, has that night, as we've already said, you know, cool subject matter, but a lot of people do it. And there's a lot of photographers I could think of at the top of my head who shoot really, you know, really, really cool images like that. But the school bus one definitely hits a little bit different. It's definitely, it has a, a different vibe to it. And I, I like that. You're not quite sure what you're looking at when you see it. And I like that. I think that makes it just a little bit more interesting, maybe. But then I also looked through Instagram earlier again, and there's quite a lot of really cool images you've taken that have the same kind of feel. Like there's one that you took of this building and you had the, a puddle in front of it. And it's like broken up and flexed in front of the puddle. Like I, I really love that. I think that's kind of, the mirroring is really interesting, you know. But that's the house and that still looks good. And it's at night. So it still looks good. So, you know, it's just about the way you frame stuff and the way you kind of, you know, you know, you uh, edit stuff deliberately before you press a shutter. You know, it's like that, that yeah. stuff. Um, so how many images do you typically shoot if you, when you go out? I'm kind of like a less is more person overall. But um, I have taken, like in the last year, I, I think I've expanded my Lightroom catalog by probably 1600 images. Um, obviously very few of them make it to my online presence. <laughs> I've only posted like 70 times, but I, um, but I, yeah, I, I tend to take a lot of photos because I like to explore what happens when I underexpose and overexpose and properly oh, expose. So I will find maybe... I mean, each scene, I think I've, I, I think that I've explained this extensively probably, but each scene kind of is like labor intensive. So I tend to only do a couple, um, but I might find a few different angles at each one. You know what I mean? Like I might, I might reframe it and, and see how it looks. And um, I'm not usually certain how I'm going to compose something until I'm there because I'll do it a couple different ways. Ah. And how often do you actually show kind of like the process of you taking images, like the actual photo shoot itself? I don't think I've ever done that. Is it something you would like to do? Maybe. What well, do you think it would take away from the magic of the image? I don't know if it would take away from the magic. I just like, am, I, I think that I keep oscillating between just like being a photographer and like then content creation as well. And I'm like not there yet. Or I, I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I necessarily want to be there. I think there's a lot of people doing that and they're doing it way better than I'm probably going to do it right now. You know, there, there's like this whole like ecosystem of like YouTubers and TikTokers who are explaining their photography processes and they're really good at it. <laughs> so I'm not, I, I think that I, I'm just like taking photos for now. That, that, that's respectable. That's very respectable. And I think it's also, it's kind of a good point because I think it's very easy to think, particularly in the kind of content creation society we live in, that everything has to be content, but it's not always the way. Um, 
sometimes it can be sometimes it can be helpful but sometimes it can be more work you're giving yourself like yeah. if it's if you're finding it you know challenging enough just to go out and take the images and edit them and share them imagine you know the two three four five times amount of work you're going to have to do recording all of that and then editing all of that and you know it, there has to be like a limit on what you can physically actually do and it'd be good quality so that is very respectful i must say um, thank you <laughs> just say no <laughs> um quick question are you okay with time yeah you okay yeah that's cool i'm just checking just to make sure uh just because i've taken yeah. quite a lot of your time already so i want to make sure that you are okay with that because you're not going to get it back so um, <laughs> um so i'm kind of curious about what kind of challenges do you face when you're out shooting because obviously you're at night like how do you stay safe and how do you kind of make sure that you know you don't run into any situations that might be a bit like hazardous so I've definitely had the police call on me, which I like don't love, but um, it's fine. I don't know. I, I like, I, I go to really small towns. I am fairly identifiably a member of the LGBTQ community. Um, I'm often bringing lights. Like it's kind of, it's kind of a spectacle. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that being said, usually it's fine. Um, I'm not, I'm, a lot of the photos that I take of houses, I see somebody on the porch and might ask them, or I know that it's empty. Like I know that there's no one there. And so that, like, is how hey, i'm always just curious because it's like you're in the middle of nowhere in the early hours of the morning yeah you know anything could technically happen totally yeah. no i think about that a lot and also <laughs> and also this is america anything could happen literally anything so truly anything can happen so it's that's crazy. the thing i'm always a bit like hey the neighborhood i live in isn't particularly dangerous or anything but i don't know if i'd wander around at like two in the morning although i probably should but i don't know if i would do that because you know it's like you've got to think about it's just so much to think about but i'm always curious how people can actually go out and do that and kind of be cool with it and be like hey this is fine yeah i mean here it's really different yes of course i imagine so it's it's much easier for me to do that here um i but i mean like i usually don't run into anybody when I'm doing it in the, because it's truly in the middle of the night. Like it's, it is often like sometimes even 4am, like really late. So it's not like people are out and about wondering what I'm doing. So is there an image that you regret not taking? Oh, there's hundreds. <laughs> Do you have any specific one? <laughs> or at least which one haunts you the most, I guess, if there is one. Yeah. So I was in, there is a, okay, Michigan. It looks like this on a map. I put my hands up, everybody who won't be able to see me. Um, and there is, I forget what the name of the town is, but it's in like the super, super, super far north part of Michigan, really far away. Like, I don't know the next time that I'll be able to go there. It's like eight hours north of where I grew up in Michigan, so far away. Um, so I was there the summer of 2020 for two weeks. 
and there was just this town with these crazy little gas stations and just really interesting houses and it's right on the water and it's foggy all the time and it just had such a crazy vibe <laughs> and I just didn't take any photos there because I was so excited about the vibe <laughs> like I was walking around and I'm like this place is crazy this vibe is nuts and I didn't take any photos there I don't know but then I kind of wonder actually no question I was intended to ask, but a question I probably should ask is like, do you ever feel like because because you're a photographer and you look at things with the kind of view of oh this could make an interesting image, do you ever feel like that and kind of impedes your your experience of the environment? Because as you just said, you know, walking this place because you're and it's kind of nice you didn't take any images because you enjoyed your time there. But then it's mm -hmm. also kind of do you feel like maybe when you go places you don't enjoy it because you're thinking about what narrative you can tell there. Like, does that ever kind of, does your, like, photographic mind ever kind of, I guess, infiltrate the experience you have? Uh, I don't, th I don't think so. I think it's a good question, though. I think there are times when it probably does. But, um, like, I also, am, like, I, like, have a lot of fun all the time. I, like, really enjoy enjoying myself. <laughs> and I always go places with my friends. So, like, for example, I did um, some photos on the, one of the Great Lakes is called Lake Huron and it's huge and it's crazy looking and it's yeah it's really pretty and so I went there with a friend of mine last summer for a week and we just we went and drove down the coast and stayed in little motels in different cities and it was really fun and yeah, I would wake up early in the morning and I would go take photos of places that I had recognized, that I had identified as cool. And then at night we would like go out and dance in little small town bars. So like I was able to find a balance. <laughs> I always am able to do both. That's really cool actually though. And a question I was going to ask you earlier, but I'm going to ask you now because it's probably more relevant is, would you ever take more daytime images? Yeah. I think I will eventually. <laughs> it's hard though, because I, I mean, I, I like work uh, yeah. 10 to 6 every day. So I'm, I'm a little bit tied to that. And then on weekends, like I don't usually want to do anything. So. <laughs> no, no, that makes sense. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, maybe if there was an occasion, I would. And I've posted like a couple of photos that are during the day, but it's like pretty rare for me. Okay, that's cool. I'd be really, I'd be really curious to see what you do though, because I feel yeah. like it would be very, in a way, you can't really hide in the darkness. So mm -hmm. I think that's kind of it'd be very interesting to see what you'd produce and kind of, I guess like the different kind of form your work would take. Um, but hey, for now, you're happy with shooting at night and it works very well for you. So don't change it necessarily. I definitely will. I will one day. Stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs> no, I feel like personally, I can see a big shift at the minute in people who create like a lot of atmospheric night images going into kind of more daytime imagery. Um, it's definitely just like a shift I'm noticing personally through the people I follow. Um, and I'm kind of curious if like if people, it's not just a question, this is just an observation, but I'm kind of, 
curious if people kind of are getting either bored of shooting at night or if it's just not doing what it used to do. Um, I don't know. Just think I'm thinking about it at the minute. It just definitely seems like a lot of people are, are at least mixing, trying to mix it up a bit, you know, not being so predictable, I guess. Um, yeah. So let's switch gears slightly and wander into social media, which is everybody's favorite category. Um, so kind of what are your thoughts on social media and uh, how has it impacted your practice? I take so many vertical photographs now. But they look good on the wall too, so that's a win-win. But um, like I wouldn't have probably do do that if it if I wasn't thinking about Instagram. Um, but also like it's it's fun and it's nice to have to have a lot of people who like it. So that's great. And the crazy dopamine rush that happens when any one of my photos just like is deemed worthy by Instagram <laughs> um, is fun. I don't know. I think that there's like parts of it that are like really unhealthy. And I think there are parts of it that are just like fun too. I, I, I think a lot of people feel that they need to post a lot to be valid online. And I don't, think that that's a positive thing for art but I also have observed that that's not really true for me like I don't I post once a week maybe and it's still working so I don't know it's definitely nice to receive encouragement for work um and it's entertaining to have people be very responsive um and it's also very validating it's entertaining and validating it's not just entertaining um do i think it's a good thing i think it's democratizing and i think that it breaks down certain barriers but um i do not think that it is inherently a good thing does that make sense it does make sense i'm kind of curious so what kind of feedback do you like having with your work like is there anything you prefer to have you know other than say heart eye emojis for instance <laughs> um you know i like when there's been a, there's more recently people have been doing like longer comments about what something makes them feel that is amazing for me I just like it helps me know what people think when they see my images and that matters more to me than anything else really just to know like how people feel when they when they encounter the work like every once in a while someone will comment like this made me feel x y and z and that is quite illuminating to know that if it's different than what I thought that it's working for them. And also if it's what I thought, then I'm telling the story the way I wanted to. And do you, like, do you ever feel like the pressure to create as your audience grows? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I, I like also 
feel pressures in other ways as well. So it's just like another pressure. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I do, but it's not, it's not that serious. Um, I still have photos that I haven't shared from the last year and I will just keep on working through them and embark on a new project soon. So I'm, it's not to the point where I don't feel like I have to post every day. I've like learned, I've put that away. Sometimes even when I post, I'll delete the whole app for like two days. And just to like put it away. <laughs> so yeah, well, I agree with that because I think one thing I've been doing a lot lately is as soon as I post something, set my phone on do not disturb so I don't get any <laughs> notifications. Um, I did that this morning because I need to get on with stuff. I was like, let me just set my phone down, put on do not disturb, ignore everybody because then I can focus on getting all stuff done. Because I think particularly somebody like you who I imagine gets quite a lot of feedback quite a lot of people messaging you quite a lot of dms i, I imagine um about your work all the time it's like that's it's a full-time job to keep up with that like you can't keep up with the income of messages versus you actually having to firstly just live your life first and foremost and then secondly go out and actually produce new work and actually do stuff because if you spend all your time answering every single person back you're not going to be doing any work you're not going to be creating anything you won't actually get anything done um, yeah so I, how do you actually manage your time in terms of like do you have any kind of routines or any kind of schedules you set yourself in terms of creating I guess actually I guess in terms of like posting versus interacting with your audience because obviously I'm assuming you care about your audience too yeah totally I I tend to not respond to a lot of requests not that I don't want to just because I like can't um and I open up dialogue usually through stories. So I do, I don't know, maybe like once every three weeks, I'll do like an ask me anything and I'll, I'll get to like 10 maybe. And then I'm like, Oh, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> but, um, but like, at least there's like 10 questions answered for somebody, you know, I'll say, and yeah, I was going to say, and that is why when I saw you post and ask me anything, I was like, let me just ask if he wants to do an interview. Because I know that I, because I know that if I DM you, you probably won't get around to replying. Not because you do or you don't want to, but because you just won't get around to it. Like I can imagine your DMs are pretty full of just people messaging it, and it's like sometimes you have to kind of know when the right time to approach somebody. The right time is it was very cheeky of me, and it was kind of fun because I actually watched that very well. But I was a bit like, oh, do I do it? Do I not? And I thought actually you might appreciate. It. And clearly it worked, so it's good. Yeah, but I appreciate it. it. <laughs> you have to take chances when you can. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah absolutely so um so how important is it for you to make photography a career oh I don't think that I want that maybe I do I don't know <laughs> I'm um so I studied like the history of furniture and interior design at school I work in an auction house where I run online inventory and help manage sales and help do like, I just kind of, it's a, it's not, it's a boutique auction house. So I have my hands in a lot of different things. Um, and it's pretty fun. And I sort of envision myself opening like a cocktail bar just in Brooklyn. Wow. One. That's like really, I don't know, like it's a super different thing, but that's like, that is 
I like love my friends and I love to see them and we hang out all the time and we mix cocktails and we go to fun places in New York. And that's kind of like what my life actually looks like. <laughs> um, and I have always envisioned myself doing that. So I think that that's coming for me one day and I would love to like design it and have it be my little creative workspace. But um, the photography will always be like happening though. I think that's probably what's going to get you to be more successful than you realize because you're not forcing it but you're still putting the time and effort into it also that's also the thing you're not just training as a joke and being like oh cool I'm going to take these cool images whatever it's like it's still very serious to you it's just not you're not putting so much pressure on yourself to produce stuff all the time and be a content creator and be a photographer and be you know a videographer and you know all these different things you're just like cool I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, create this work, see where it goes and go from there. And I, I highly respect that because I think it's very easy to fall into the trap of wanting something so badly that you don't realize that maybe you don't actually want it at all. Um, yeah. And I feel like that separation is going to be very good for you because there will probably be a time in which you won't shoot anything because you're just that, you know, life happens and you'd be okay with that. Whereas yeah. in Last a lot of, like that kind of, yeah. Whereas a lot of other people would have a meltdown because they're relying on that so I think right. that's that's both surprising considering the quality of your work but also very much not surprising having spoken to you if that makes any sense yeah that's kind of interesting and thank you no it's, it's very you're a very you're a very interesting person I must say um <laughs> you're very different to how I imagine you would be but also exactly the same well which makes no sense but it makes sense right what are the sacrifices of being an artist or have you came across any sacrifices you've made? Um, I tend to, only, this is kind of sad. I, te I tend to make work in when I'm not, it's productive and I love it, but I also tend to make work in a less than ideal headspace. Like I'm motivated yeah. to do it when like I'm not having the most amazing time. So, that's not that serious, but like if I'm vibing life-wise, I'm probably out dancing with my friends and like eating and like focusing on work and like doing that type of thing. I like really, that's super important to me. Um, and I tend to return to making a project when I like really need to like dive in on something that's going on. So that's a big sacrifice <laughs> because I'll... I'll use it as as potentially like a coping mechanism or it's sort of therapeutic. It's not a coping mechanism. Yeah, it's therapy. It's catharsis. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Which is productive and that's good, but also kind of intense. That's a really interesting way of considering a sacrifice because I guess as somebody who seems to be as fun-loving as you are, it must be quite hard to be that vulnerable by putting yourself in the position to have to create work under that kind of circumstance or at least feel that way when you're creating the work. And especially if, you know, the idea of isolation and kind of, you know, I guess more negative emotions, particularly that comes through to the viewer as well, because it puts you in a more vulnerable place because then it's like, if they actually wakes about and you kind of might need to feel them, need to explain it's from a place of kind of maybe sadness or maybe, you know, kind of more lower moods, I guess. And it kind of leads into the next question, I guess, which is like, should art be uncomfortable? I think it can be. I think it just sort it depends on it depends on a lot of things. I really I have a hard time making 
qualitative statements about it because there's so many different capacities in which people can approach art making. Um, for me, because I do a lot of creative work in other capacities, some of those should be comfortable. Um, I think I think it depends what the artist is trying to do. And I think that art is fundamentally for the person who's making it. And if they accumulate an audience, then that's just like cool and a secondary benefit. But um, if not, then they're probably still gonna keep making it to some degree. Um, if it's if it's comfortable to them and they need something to be comfortable, then that's amazing and that's the answer. And if they need something to be a little bit more intense and a little bit more shocking even or something in that capacity, then that's also what they need, which might be comfortable for them. And it just kind of is in flux all the time for different people. That's a very good answer. That's a very, very good answer. And it's actually a very good consideration in terms of like, you're right. Just because art might be uncomfortable for the viewer doesn't mean that it's not comfortable for the artists themselves. That's actually kind of an interesting consideration that I might not have thought about. That's very interesting. I get a lot of really cool considerations from people when I do these interviews. It's absolutely great. I think nobody, I feel like people don't understand like this is so selfish. It's so good um, because I get the most out of it more than anybody else. Like I literally wouldn't, couldn't care less if nobody hears this. People will because your name's attached to it. Um, but, you know, it's weird for me because it's like, I get so much out of doing these conversations. It's actually incredible. It's pretty weird. It's so weird. It's it's so different to what I would have thought I'd be doing with my time. But hey, can't complain. That's awesome. I love that. I'm so kidding. can anybody be a photographer? Yes. But is there a difference between an image maker and an image taker? Yes. <laughs> um, totally. I think that but I think that it's just I like I like I've said I think that it just boils down to why you what are you I mean what are you trying to say you know there's like there's like a food photographer for example which would be awesome and I love food so much so if someone's a fantastic food photographer they're definitely not any different with that label than any other photographer. Um, we're talking about fine art photography. So that's a little bit of a different question. I think that you have to have a different approach to produce that type of work. But um, yeah, I think that anybody can be a photographer if they want to learn the skill. Totally. Anyone can learn how to ski. Anyone can learn how to ride a bike. Anyone can learn how to be a photographer. <laughs> okay. So in your opinion, what makes a good piece of art? And what was the last image or piece of media that you saw that captivated you? Okay, so I always reference this person because I'm absolutely obsessed with him. Um, oh, oh, never mind. His book is out in my living room. But um, Matthew Wong, painter extraordinaire. I'm obsessed with him. He unfortunately passed quite recently, but he is just an absolutely phenomenal painter. And his images, I mean, his paintings are the number one inspiration for like everything that I do. I, he is my favorite in the whole world. Um, I would give virtually anything to have one of his paintings, but they're so expensive. <laughs> I, won't, I won't get one anytime soon. But um, so, 
what makes a good work of art is a huge question, really subjective. What I think makes a good work of art, what makes a work of art appealing to me is how I'm gonna answer that. Um, I think that there needs to be some aspect of visual interest that I would prefer to be sort of striking, but doesn't always need to be, can be normal as well, can be. There are images that aren't necessarily like, whoa, that's crazy. But like the more you dive into them, you, you find more bits and pieces of information that make them amazing. Um, so that visually striking aspect isn't 100% necessary, but I like it. So visually striking. Um, I think I need to be able to look at it many times and not get bored of it. I think that if an image is a great piece of art, I would like to be able to return to it forever and continue to find value in it from my perspective. And I think there needs to be some amount of variability in storytelling. For example, if I am feeling one way in one season of my life, and this is telling the perfect story for that season, and then I might be feeling a different way. I would love for art to be able to track that with me. That's my answer. Yeah, that's that's really cool. I like that. I think that's it's kind of a good point though, because it, again, it comes back to what you said earlier about your own work in terms of fitting old work into to new sequences. It's like you don't just look at an image once. And I think that's kind of the answer is very effective that in terms of like you want an image you can return to. And I think that's not something that a lot of people necessarily say or even think about because. You're right. We just tend to look at an image and think of our ones. I guess it's also part of the reason I asked the question, what was the last image? Not what is one of your favorite images to look at? Mm -hmm. Maybe I should change that. Maybe I should. Yeah, um, I just that for you. Sorry. You did, yeah, no, that's fine. I'm going to wait. I'm going to change that later. I've, it's on record now, so it's cool. Um, hey, look, this is episode four. I can do whatever I want from here on. It's cool. Um, it's like a, a new, technically a new decade of, of interviews, I guess, um, from yeah. yours. So, um, so. I have a question for you from the last person I interviewed. Um, so the last person I interviewed was a really cool artist called Matt Jukes. I interviewed him two days ago, actually, which was my birthday, yeah. which was fun. Um, birthday. The, the, I literally did everything I do any other day. And I literally so just, you're a Capricorn? This is Capricorn I, season? Yeah. I, I have no idea. Is it Capricorn season? No idea. <laughs> I have no idea. Is that good or is that it, bad? What does that mean? Uh, it's great. Every, every sign is great. Keep going. I think I'm it gonna is Capricorn. I'm going, okay. to Google, I'm going to Google that later. <laughs> right. So anyway, sorry, let me rephrase that. So the last person I interviewed was um, a really cool artist with Matt Jukes. Um, I will send you his work just so you are aware of it. You might like it, you might not. I don't really know. I don't know your aesthetics for art, but maybe Obviously. you might do. Um, so anyway, his question for you is, how do you keep true to yourself What's finding new ways of working? I'm always answering a question that needs to be answered by me. So even if I never share an image, it's like some battle <laughs> that I've got to get through. So it's pretty true to myself, I think. Um, but I mean, I there are times when I don't. There are times when I take a picture because I know it'll do well on Instagram. <laughs> hey, that's, <laughs> I mean, that's true. I think everybody does that to an extent. You know, I think we like to arrange what we think is going to be aesthetically pleasing to other people, not just ourselves. I don't think everybody fully shoots or fully creates just for themselves. Not nowadays, yeah. I don't think. 
No, I don't think so either. No, a vacuum. Yeah, but I say knowing also it's going to end up online. I'm particularly with stuff like TikTok making, you know, careers. Yeah, I think we all are very conscious that it's not just about ourselves, it's also about other people as well. Um, yeah. So do you have a question for the next person I interview? Yeah, my question for the next person, I didn't write it down, so I'm just going to like, I'm going to riff it. I know what it is though. What, if anything, do you want to see change in the next few years in your art? That is a very good question. I feel like I should just steal everybody's questions and just write all my notes just based on everybody else's questions they've given me. You should just do that. Uh, some change in your art. And the next person I'm going to interview, as far as I know, um, I will send to you later. Perfect. So what does it mean to be a successful artist and how do you measure the success of your own work? If it's, if it's um, getting me to the place that I'm seeking emotionally, or if it's helping me answer questions that I need answered, then it's successful to me. Fair enough. That makes sense. I like how personal your work is to you. Because it definitely, it definitely doesn't seem like it from the outside. Yeah. And I don't mean that disrespectfully at all. I just mean it in the sense of like, yes, it's visually interesting. Yes, you know, I love seeing it, of course. But now that I've spoken, which is, I guess, why I'm very lucky to get to speak to people is that, like, I kind of understand a lot more better now. So when I look at it now, I'll have a very different opinion of it now than I did have two hours before, two hours ago. Um, right. And then hopefully when people listen to this, they'll have a very different perspective on your work also, which I think is very nice because it's nice to hear the artists talk about their work because you're the one creating it. And ultimately, it exists because you exist. And there's something nice about that. So, yeah. yeah. I want to say that totally. <laughs> um so what would your younger self think about your work i think that my younger self in hype beast era my younger self when i was into like urban photography <laughs> would probably be like this is super boring this shit sucks um but whatever <laughs> um i think that my younger self would probably be excited but also maybe anxious by it because it's like a little too close to home for that person um but like now it's now it's different I think that if I was in high school or if I was even younger than that those were feelings that I was having at the time and so it would probably like freak me out. But I think that there's ultimate satisfaction to come from that. And that would have just started my reconciliation process earlier. And it probably would be what I needed because I, when I lived in that area, I was not, I hadn't yet learned how to like romanticize that for myself. So it was something that I think I needed to have come at some point in my life. Okay. Um, also, quick question I didn't ask you earlier. I'm kind of curious about just generally. Um, do you actually want to have, like, would you have an exhibition if you could? Yeah, I would. Um, but I want to have my my own exhibition at first. I've I've had a couple of requests, and I, I but I want to have. A, I'm very serious about the level of control I have over things, and I have this vision for my first one. That's like 
mixing multiple parts of me. So I would love for it to be like in, in a warehouse. Um, and I would love for it to be like ultimately turn into like a DJ situation. Like I would have the, the photo gallery opening sale part into DJ fun party. <laughs> I like that. It's like aspects of your life. I think that's clever. And it's an experience, not just you go into the gallery and you see an image. It's like, it's an experience. I think that's very clever. Um, and actually, what would be really cool to do, I spoke to somebody about this a while ago, is if you had like a warehouse with several different rooms and you invited, say, five photographers, each of them had a room and you set up the room as if it was one of your photographs so people could walk through it. Like, that would be cool. Obviously, that would be like... Incredible. That would be like expensive production, but like... Yeah, that would be like kind of expensive because you're going to have to recreate a building inside of a building. But hey, that could be done. <laughs> that would be sick. I want that. Something I was thinking yeah. about because like how cool... Like, you know, because a lot of photographers I speak to love cinematic imagery and they talk about films. But imagine if you recreated your image as a film set. How interesting would that so be? amazing. That's such a good idea. I'm not going to forget that idea. I, need to be a million, I just need to be a millionaire and then I can just do it. That's the only issue. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the actual cost of it. <laughs> like everything in life, money is the issue. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Right, show. So, the very last question, which is a double barrier question, is um, what are you currently working on and where can people find more about you and your work? So, I'm currently working on ideation of my next series. I'm town hunting and I'm thinking about what that looks like because I think it's inevitably going to be quite different if you want to find out more about me watch my Instagram stories because that's really the only place that I actually talk about myself but um other than this interview or maybe like others to come at some point but yeah I don't really have a lot of information that I just have out there but definitely my social media platforms I share on quite frequently and um stay tuned for my website which will soon be out which will be out by the time that this about I'll be linking to it anywhere by the time it's out yeah exactly so there you'll be able to like see some photos in a higher resolution and you'll be able to like explore prints and stuff like that course absolutely well charlie thank you so much for your time thank you for having me honestly thank you so much i I, it's very much an honor so i appreciate it a lot it's very very cool well i really appreciated that you asked it was very fun no no problem at all and um thank you just for being very awesome i generally appreciate it That concludes my conversation with Kevin Galboy. Thank you very much for listening. If you have any questions or comments about it, please send me an email at theflyingfruitbowl at gmail.com or via social media sites such as Instagram and Twitter. The Flying Fruit Bowl podcast can now be found on a variety of sites such as YouTube, Spotify, or Apple Music. If you'd like to support the show, please consider rating, reviewing, sharing, or subscribing on any of these platforms. Also, please don't forget to check out theflyingfruitbowl.co.uk for daily inspiration and written interviews. If you're a creative, please get in touch for a chance to be featured interviewed. We now also have a Patreon page if you'd like to support the platform further. 
Tear from £1 and you can find more information at patreon.com forward slash the flying fruit bowl. Alternatively, if you prefer to make a one-time donation, we also have a PayPal. A link to our PayPal should be in the show notes. Once again, thank you very much for listening to this episode today. And until next time folks, please stay safe.